is it Friday, 3.30 to 5.30? This Friday, from 3.30 to 5 p.m., don't miss Debate by the Lake, starring two heavy hitters, Joshua Sitta on one side, and the name of the other person on the other. Jamie Orth. Jamie Orth. Jamie Orth. And Jamie Orth on the other. These two will go head-to-head in your classic WWE-style Debate by the Lake. The first hour, beer, appetizers, and some great socialization. The second hour is the debate by the lake. It's a half hour. It's a half hour debate by the lake. This is a cybersecurity event you don't want to miss, because if you do, you'll wish you were there. Something like that. Yeah. Do I need to tell them what they're debating? Yeah. This Friday, May 21st, from 3.30 to 5 p.m., you can be part of the debate by the lake. Joshua Sitta versus John Orth. Jamie. <laughs> Joshua Sitta versus Jamie Orth in the debate by the lake whether or not it is possible to fully secure a remote workforce. The first hour of the debate will be beer, wine, and appetizers. As a nice little start, then that final 30 minutes it's a race of knowledge to figure out if Joshua Sitta or Jamie Orth knows better if it is fully possible to secure a remote workforce. The Debate by the Lake, Friday, May 21st, 3.30 p.m. to 5 p.m. at Catapult Lakeland. You want to say it's uh, moderated by... Moderated by this voice here, <laughs> Nate Fleming, who will attempt comedy at every opportunity he is given. It might work... It probably won't. Uh, sponsors Hook Security and Citadel. Sponsored by Hook Security and Citadel. Um, can I get you to read that as a question? The debate. Is it possible to secure a remote workforce? Who knows? Joshua Sitta or Jamie Orth? Mm-hmm. Friday, May 21st. 3.30 to 4.30 is beer, wine, and appetizers. But from 4.30 to 5, it gets real. The debate by the lake. Is it possible to secure a remote workforce? The only way to find out is to be there or be square. This entire thing will be moderated by Nate Fleming, who has his own certification in moderation. It's the MSCPT. That's a certification for moderation. Check us out Friday, May 21st. 3.30 to 5 p.m. Sponsored by Citadel and Hook Security and a third unknown organization. Um, we also need to tell them where to register. Register online at citadel.com slash events. That works. Yep. Be there or be square. You like that tagline. I don't know why. <laughs> uh... Debate by the lake, words across the water. Ooh. We'll give you the whole seat, but you're only going to need the edge. Because you're, cause you're going to be on the edge of, edge of your seat if you didn't get it. <laughs> okay, that's probably good. Turn me up. Turn me up like a burning lake of fire. Got a new soundbar. Sounds great. Like really good. It's the Sonos Arc. Um, 
Got it yesterday. Drove to Kissin' Me to pick it up. Um, worth the drive? Worth the drive. Yes, absolutely. I didn't think it would be. Unpackaged it, and the packaging already made it worth the drive because the soundbar is wrapped in a cloth bag. Okay, yeah. The old soundbar always had an issue recognizing eARC. I don't know what eARC is. It's essentially where it's HDMI plugging into the TV. Uh, let me see what the acronym is. Essentially, you get higher quality audio. You can get Dolby Atmos. Uh, That's better than Spidiff? Oh, way better. Uh, eARC is the best form of audio to a television. Um, enhanced Audio Return Channel, which is eARC. Audio Return Channel is just ARC. But essentially, you take your HDMI and your TV sends the audio signal through the HDMI cable to your sound bar or your sound system. And they kind of communicate back and forth. And that's the highest quality audio coming through. There's no higher quality audio you can get than an HDMI connection to your TV. I, 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 I know that there's always... <laughs> I know there's always some new thing. Blacks yeah. are blacker than they've ever been before, right? We did that in TVs. and Well, that's because the reason why and they can never get any blacker than they are now is because they can just turn off now. They didn't used to be able to turn off. Fine. I've never noticed any of these problems that we've been engineering past. But they're definitely there. And you, when you see the comparison side by side, you can know. Like I have an LCD screen. I don't have true black. I have like a very light black because there's a light behind it. So it simulates the color black by using light to simulate black. But the best way to have the best black is to just turn the light out. Sure. So if you have an LED screen, you can turn the light out and on faster than you can with an LCD screen because an LCD needs to power up. It needs different specifications than an LED would need. And you can individually turn off LED lights. LED screens are like little square areas that are together. You, If you turn off one square, you're turning off like a whole portion of the television. That's why the black is, the blacks have never been that black. But but my point is like you're saying this is the highest quality audio right now. Right now. Yes. And I'm saying when I went from HDMI to SPDIF, I SPIF. noticed SPIF. SPIF? Yeah. Sure. I never noticed I, I I wasn't like, "Oh, now I can hear it." So when you listen to the soundbar today, when we watch Endgame, mm-hmm. you will definitely notice a difference in clarity. And if I need to, I will set up the other soundbar to do an A-B test for you. I kind of want that. Just so I... But no, 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 no. Actually, I don't want that. I don't want one soundbar versus another. I want eARC versus HDMI. Uh, HDMI is ARC. This conversation is why I didn't upgrade my TV until you bought me one. <laughs> Yeah. Is a 2009 TV that I had still going in 2020. It's a good TV. It's a good TV. It was fine. It only did 720. Yeah, but but do you see? I mean, honestly, I don't. But do you, but do you see? It's bigger. Yeah. I see that it's bigger. Yeah, it's bigger. Yeah, that's what I, I got. I don't even know why I bought a Christmas. That's what it was. I bought your TV for Christmas. Uh, because you're a nice person. No, it was Christmas. I didn't get anybody a TV for Christmas. Yeah, I know. Oh, that's beside the point. Either way, uh, we're not talking about Bitcoin part two today. We're going to keep you guys hanging on the edge of your seat for that one. That one's going to join us as soon as um, I have the dude from Microsoft PowerShell guy. I could get him to Snover. Yeah. Snover agreed to do the podcast with us. Dude, we should get what are we doing? Call him right now. Well, I can. He he also suggested someone else to do the podcast. So I think I'm going to reach out. Benjamin. 
is it Benjamin? I don't know. I'm going to reach out to him and send him an official offer of like, hey, you want to come on this podcast with us? And we should, that'd be dope to have like Jeffrey Snover on here. Yeah. Um, he'll be the second legitimate person we've had on the podcast. Second legitimate guest. Oh, okay. I, in my head, you were ranking people. Mm-mm. Like he's the second most legitimate. I was like, who's the first legitimate person? Lee Holmes. Lee, I worked with Lee Holmes. Lee was one of the original team members and is 100% responsible for its security. That's definitely a different Lee. He's so good that I made him the security architect for Windows Server and for Azure Stack. Yeah. Which has unbelievably good security. Well, yeah, I mean, we're a security podcast. That's a good That's a good get. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to reach out to him and say, hey, can we get Lee Holmes in the next week or two? And then can we also get you um, virtually? Yeah. Uh, just because the only reason I want to get him is because like, you have such an emotional connection to the man. He's responsible for my professional career. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I would like to get him on because I don't think he knows that. And my, I think it'd be a fun podcast. My kids live in a house that Jeffrey Snover indirectly built. Thank you, Snover. Yeah. And I'm just going to make jokes about his name. So. Okay. Yeah. Maybe this is a better real idea. class act I am over here. Do not embarrass me. <laughs> exactly. That's going to be the the whole podcast is just us pulling a bit and he doesn't know that it's happening. <laughs> um but I, I decided since uh I'm coming to the table with something again. Um I'm curious and I think this would be a very valuable thing for people. How in the world do you get your foot in the door to cybersecurity and what are the options for growth? Uh there's a community I'm a part of on Facebook that this pot, this specific thing we're talking about right now, I could post on there and say, hey, here's some ideas of how to get into the cybersecurity world. It's got like a bunch of people who follow it. Um, and they're always posting about, I'm about to get this certification and CISSP. And they're just throwing out letters and plus signs all over the place. Yeah. Um, they're, they're all interested. Like how it, it is a, look, honestly, if if I run out of things to do in my somewhat professional entertainment career, uh-huh. I feel like it'd be pretty easy for me to get the certifications and become a cybersecurity professional because there's such a demand for people. Oh yeah. And that and in and in programming as well. Like those are two areas where you step in commanding a very high salary if you know some of the basics to be able to protect the company. Yeah. So I mean what you're saying is totally true. The opportunities that are in cybersecurity are it, it's it's mind-boggling. It can take somebody it it, it it's it's to the level where you could be uh, late. You could be in your twilight years of your career, ready to retire, take a couple of boot camp classes, get a certification or two, jump to cybersecurity, and instantly get a pay increase. Our entry-level positions are, they are in such demand that <laughs> there's a there's a fulfilling life that's at the, at the lowest rank in the totem pole. Um... I want to say that we had like a negative 400,000 uh, employees to jobs deficit Man. for for cybersecurity last year. There are there are so many unfilled cybersecurity positions today. Uh, so I, I think really what we need to talk about is is two things. How do you just how do you get your foot in the door? How do you get the entry level position, and then the the more anybody can do the entry level stuff anybody who has the time attention and interest yeah and i guess the skill set too can can do the entry level stuff but how do you get into those like positions of management or how do you further specialize into different areas that's probably a a completely separate conversation 
How so, do you become a cybersecurity spy? Is that well, a job? Well, step one, you don't go and record yourself asking that question hmm. to everyone. So have I just burned a job just now? Yeah. Dang. It was on the table. You were... <laughs> oh, man. I have a suit and everything. <laughs> <laughs> what does that suit look like? It's like a tan suit. Uh-huh. No tie. Buttoned down to the middle of my chest. Okay. Uh, the pants are light blue, though. So okay. So it's like a tan mm-hmm. blazer buttoned down the middle of my chest, light blue. I got three gold chains in varying degrees of thickness around my <laughs> neck. Yeah. I've got a pinky ring, and then I have a class ring on my right hand where um, my uh, ring finger is, but it's not a school I ever went to. Right. It's yeah. to throw off the trail because I'm a spy. Right. I get it. Um, I have an unironic fedora as well, uh-huh. and I have wingtip dress shoes, no dress socks because, because I'm making a statement. Yeah. And that uh mostly i also have is a that statement how badly you want to have blisters on your heels dolce and gabbana pink handbag that i carry as well oh i wasn't expecting that that's so, for your tools that's where i fit my lappy toppy mm-hmm. and i refer to it as my lappy toppy so no one thinks i'm a serious uh cybersecurity spy yeah yeah <laughs> okay so what was the question <laughs> i don't know how do you get started? Yes, that's a, yeah. Let, let's just talk through the the opportunities and how you get. I mean, how you get started, the opportunities you have, and stuff like that. Yeah, honestly, if you're somebody who really wants to work in cybersecurity today, you you might be able to get started just by applying. Hmm. Businesses need people so bad. You might you might get lucky, and they might be able to say, um, you know, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know cybersecurity from Adam, but. You got all the communication skills that we need. You got the team collaboration stuff that we need. Because there's a lot of, uh, there are there are so many positions that are that are needed to support a cybersecurity team that isn't hard technical skills. We need people to um, call coworkers and say, "Hey, w- what did you notice that happened on your computer?" You don't necessarily have to be an IT guru mm-hmm. to be able to make that phone call. Mm-hmm. We need people to just calm people down when a cybersecurity situation is going on. We need people who can run documentation. Documentation is one of the most important parts of cybersecurity. And your guys who are hackers, they don't want to. They don't want to. They don't want to stop what they're doing. The cool, I made a server. Give me all its data. They don't want to. They don't want to. They don't want to put their operations on hold. Yeah. So that they can write down what they did. Um, the documentation pieces, uh, it could be the most important role because without the documentation, there's no proof that it happened. You can't, if, as a business, you can't show the government, uh, your government regulators, yeah, we responded to this situation accordingly if there's not a a paper trail that shows that. I feel like there's also a job where if you work for, a, like if there's a company that has a customer facing or they have physical locations that people can get in and access mainframes there that you have a job of acting as a threat actor. Like yep. you're given a flash drive that doesn't have anything on it, like anything bad other than like the ability to communicate to whoever the security people are. And your job is to, to fake being an AC repairman and see if the business will just let you in to plug in a USB drive to a computer and then gain access to their, uh, all of their, all their junkie junk. Yep. Uh, about half of, um, penetration testing, about half of the, the guys who go in and they say, here are all the areas that a hacker could steal data. Mm-hmm. About half of that is social engineering, which is fancy talk for 
being a good liar. Improv. It's baby. improv. It's absolutely improv. You walk into a business with a goal. My goal is to drop these thumb drives that have the word payroll written on them, but have a piece of fake mm-hmm. malware installed on them. Uh, my goal is to just drop that into areas that I think people might plug them in. Yeah. Uh, that's something that Swan City Improv could do very well. Oh, yeah. Very well. We actually we have a, a gala we're going to be a part of in November in which we will be acting as the people in a murder mystery, but like part of the party. So it's not like we're on stage performing. Oh, yeah. We're just going to be milling around in our character for the hour or however long it is. Yeah, yeah. And then someone's going to end up dying at a certain point, and people in the audience who want to participate have to figure out well, who it is that did the murder. And you could do it by just talking to people in conversation. Yeah, so if, if you're listening and that sounds fun to you, and if you feel like you could be a uh, murder mystery actor, that's that's really not a whole lot different than penetration testing. Tell me about some of the things that you would have to do uh, when you're when you're doing your gala. Oh, it's it's pretty. All, all we do is we get into the character and we make decisions on who our character is. Like mm. I got to know how long I've been in this. I have to also figure out a motivation. There's got to be some reason as to why I would want to kill the person who's going to die. Um, like I I am I ex-military. Like I can create that. Am I am I someone who's been doing this for twenty years, thirty years, five years, two years? Like all of that information that you create for yourself influences who your character is and what you're choosing to do. Like if if I've been working as an AC repairman for thirty years. Most of my conversational lingo about AC repair is is going to be blasé. Like it's, I just know this stuff. If I'm two years, like I probably won't be talking about AC as much because I don't I don't really know it that well. I'm I'm new to this, so I'll be more of a normal conversationalist. So like, there's just little things, little details that you try to mask your character within. Yeah. So all those little details are exactly what you would expect out of a uh, a social engineer, out of a penetration mm-hmm. tester who wants to go into a business and get their flash drives around. Man, that'd be so fun. I'm right? about to Google social engineer jobs real quick. I mean, really, like that's that's it's like I said it's half of penetration testing. And uh, the other half is the technological know-how. The other half is the technological know-how. And in most cases, the people who are really good at the technological know-how, they're not so great at the in-person. Let me see if I can get past their security guard by 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 conversation, by saying Hey, I'm new here. Can you show me to where the servers are? I'm supposed to be here. Jim told me I was supposed to uh, come count the servers. Yeah. Um, we saw a really successful penetration test where a guy named Kale just said he was he was working on behalf of the fire marshal, and what he was doing was going around and burning places down. Uh, no, oh. he he was testing for fire code. He was counting the number of fire extinguishers in every room, and he was like, "Look, I know it's it's weird, but I need to be in every room and just kind of scan the outside and see yeah. if there's a visible fire extinguisher." So Kale got led into every single, um, every single room for for these businesses that said, "Okay, fire marshal, that sounds that sounds important. I don't want to turn the fire marshal away." Yeah. And meanwhile, he would drop these device, these USB drives that would say something like "bachelor party picks," <laughs> and, yeah. and people would immediately plug that in. Kale also had a good one where he would just say he was there on behalf of the utility company, and he needed to count the number of light fixtures that they had, and then at the end, they needed to talk to somebody in facilities to see if it was uh, what kind of light bulbs they were using. So again, he gets led into every single room and counts every single light fixture 
while he's dropping these, I think those, the USB drive said payroll spreadsheet. So if you want to know how much people make. Yeah, you're going to plug in a payroll spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so smart. And his name was Kale? Kale, yeah. K-A-L-E? With a C. C-A-L-E. Maybe, maybe this is, <laughs> maybe I don't want to spread Kale's name around. <laughs> you know, like he goes up to the next security <laughs> guard and he's like, what's your name? Nah, I listen to the Citadel podcast. <laughs> I mean, my whole thing is that's definitely not his real name. Hmm. No human being is named Kale. That's his real name. Yeah. No way. They mm-hmm. forgot the B. That's what it was. Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> Watching your brain get to the end of that <laughs> to finish that was one of the fun things I've had today. Caleb. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or even an N, Kalen. Um, so one of the ways you can get started is just apply to an entry-level position. You... Yeah, there is so much importance in just putting yourself out there. When I was uh, working for the bank, we had a guy come up to us and he said, um, uh, I'm still in college. Uh, I think he was still in high school, actually. He was dual enrolled. I want to work in in cybersecurity. I know that you have cybersecurity jobs. Can you just hire me on as an intern? And I said, No. We don't have an internship program. And he was like, okay, cool. And like a month later, he was like, hey, have you rethought that? I really want to be an intern. And I, specifically, I want to be an intern for you. And I was like, we, we just can't make that happen. We, we've got all this like protected information. There's forensics data that we have here. There's, a, there, there's, there's too much at risk to just have, you know, a temporary hire in our area. And for months, he just was persistent about wanting to work with us. So finally, we went back to the bank and we said, I, I think we've got a really good candidate for an internship. Can we build an internship program? And they were like, no, that's only for bankers. We, that's that's for people who were in sales. We don't have that for the operations staff. And we went back to and And this kept going on until he found my boss and he invited my boss to lunch and started uh, propositioning my boss to, to create the, the internship program too. The whole internship program in my department was created for this one employee. Wow. There's really, there's, there, there is any of the other stuff we're going to talk about. It doesn't pay, it, it doesn't matter compared to somebody just saying, I really want this. Let me show you that I really want this. Yeah. I, I think this is also a field where when we went to school, they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you pick things and like, well, you're probably going to be in something that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. I think this is still a field where there's a lot of jobs that don't exist yet. For this field. Oh, there's got to be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we, we barely touched on zero trust, and that's a whole new animal of how to do cybersecurity. Yeah. And that animal needs a whole bunch of different caretakers that we don't we don't know exist. Yeah. So even stepping into this career, there's no ceiling to it because there's there's no limit to what you can do within it. And the people who are skilled in traditional security mm-hmm. are... They are at a deficit for approaching zero trust. Yeah. Zero trust is so different from what we have done in the past. You're a leg ahead if you don't have to unlearn 20 plus years of outdated cybersecurity practices. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, And I think speaking to the persistence of the intern, I think persistence is such a good thing because with anything computer related, you're going to hit walls that you can't get past until you get past them. For sure. So if you don't have that persistence and that desire to keep pushing through things, you're not going to 
you're not going to get to the others. And I'm speaking as someone who doesn't work in the cybersecurity field. Um, I've just learned a lot over the past, what are we at, like five, six months now? It's been a very short window that I've just just crammed all this knowledge into myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but persistence is a huge thing. Uh, I have some friends who are programmers, and they're like, yeah, we half the time we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Like genuinely, the only reason that they get paid a ton of money, and this is a direct quote from them, the only reason we get paid a ton of money is we know what to Google. Sure, yeah. Because they don't. there's a lot of things that you still don't know. You could know a ton and still not, like you might be well-versed in one specific programming language and the other language you don't know. So now you got to Google the other language and how that relates to, it's, man, yeah. it's crazy. If you get into um, real, like top-tier, um, enterprise engineering or architecture, you you kind of move past what is readily available through search engines, mm-hmm. but all of the entry level stuff, all of the like operations management stuff, all of the working with specific tools, there's so much information that can just be googled for for how to get your job done. So really, like if you're if you're if you've got the persistence. Uh, to get onto a team and your team gives you goals, you can really just Google your way to accomplishing those goals until you're in like a decision maker role. That's what I've done with most of my nine to fives is in the, in the interview process, they're like, do you know how to do these things? I'm like, yes, I know. I then got the job and I Googled how to do those things. I just learned how to do them. Like I did, uh, I I did Spanish animation in flash three or four years ago. Yeah. Uh, and then helped them convert those flash animations that I helped them design into HTML five. Yeah. When flash died. That's a whole lot of things that I don't do. <laughs> <laughs> so the first three weeks I didn't do anything except figure out how to use these tools. Yeah. So they're like, Hey man, you've been here three weeks and you haven't done anything. It's like, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm going to have a lot done soon. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I figured out how to do it. And, and I, I worked there for like eight, nine months and I didn't get canned. I, I did so well that it was supposed to be a year contract that I pulled a U. Mm-hmm. I figured out how to do the job easier. So then they fired me after eight or nine months, not because I was doing poorly. It's because I had finished it yeah. way ahead of schedule for them. Yeah. Um. That's another situation with this. So like speaking to just start it, just figure out which one you might be most interested in, apply to that somewhere like a Publix or a Kroger, like some big company that needs someone at the low level. There's your entry. You learn it. And then most of those large companies will pay for your education to take the next step. Yeah. Which what would be some certifications that you would say are entry level starter certifications? Yeah. So um, back when we had the zero trust conversation with Trophenia, she mentioned taking those old A-plus tests. Um, CompTIA is a certification body that they've got all the intro-level stuff. Um, your A-plus, you can kind of skip over. That's for uh, hardware and, and software knowledge. Mm-hmm. In cybersecurity, it is, especially if you are in like something that is specialized or if you've been in the career for long enough, you definitely want to have that information. You want to be able to understand how a... Um, how a TPM chip on a motherboard actually encrypts data. That's yeah. useful later on down the road. To start with, you can skip right over that stuff. There's a there's a certification that's called NetPlus, which is about how networks work. This is a 
if you want to take a long road, but a complete road to getting to your your cybersecurity profession, mm-hmm. I can't recommend NetPlus enough. I love this certification because there is so, I mean, daily you're looking at uh, network packets or or pieces of of networking information that. If you can understand the mechanics of how a network works, of how one computer talks to another computer, you can make a much, much more informed cybersecurity decision. Is this good? Is it bad? Right. Mm-hmm. But the one that you really definitely do need to get uh, is the Security Plus. Sec Plus and Net Plus. Your recommendation is to do both, but some places might only require you to get Sec Plus. Yeah. If you're, yeah. So, well, okay. So I'll say this. Let's talk. Let's let's just talk about doing the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sec plus. A more complete road, a, a a better understanding of what it is you're practically working on, sec plus and net plus. Mm-hmm. Um, probably net plus first, but um, the security plus certification has. It's a pretty good overview of most areas of cybersecurity that you'll run into. The, the book for getting the Sec Plus is, it's, it's an intimidatingly large book. There's a lot of information to read about it. But all that information is going to be applicable. Mm-hmm. And it's going to, what, what I think one of the most important things um, it will do for you is it'll give you all of the, the nomenclature. Security is built on such a heavy framework of jargon. Where if you don't understand the first part, if you if you can't get your mind around the first chapter, there's no way you can read chapters two, three, and four. And it's it's not even words; it's just a grouping of letters that you're supposed to know what they mean. Yeah, yeah. So we talk very quickly about if you're if you're actually on the job, you'll see something like, "Hey, th- this this computer is reaching out to NTP, out to the internet." Mm-hmm. If you don't have the nomenclature, if you don't understand, first of all, what a networking protocol is. Or why the network time protocol would want to reach out. You can't even begin to make a decision. And the Security Plus certification kind of gives you some of the some of the vocabulary you need to, to, to get started on that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So Security Plus is a good overview that most HR departments are going to be looking to make sure you have at least that to start at the entry level. If you've got a... If you have an organization where you can actually talk to like the hiring manor- manager, mm-hmm. the person that you will work for, Security Plus is great, but he's going to know in his heart of hearts that that's maybe some head knowledge, but there's not a whole lot of skills application that you can do on the job. Yeah. For that, you're looking at something called the CISA Plus. S-I-S-A? C-Y- Essay. Mother of God. <laughs> you people need to learn English. You should put an English class in there somewhere because that's not CISA. Okay? All right. Keep going. Uh, the, the CISA is a newer certification. Most HR departments, they don't even know about it. They don't know to ask for it. Computer Youth Security Administration. I'm going to cut that from the podcast. I'll look it up. Okay. Don't don't cut that. <laughs> Leave that in. That's that's my best educated guess. I'm gonna look up what CISA stands for. Um, but that's a newer one. How recent? Uh, I'm gonna say two. I'm gonna say probably three years old. Um, CISA is a it's entry level applied to skills. It's gonna give you everything from like um, penetration testing skills to Linux skills to um, 
even even some malware ops. It's a really good cert for like training that you look so confused right now. Because it doesn't make sense. It says CompTIA cybersecurity analyst, but that's not CY. CY is cyber. Yeah, and that's not SA. Cyber and then the S is security. Maybe that's what it is. It's just it doesn't make sense to me. It's the CompTIA cybersecurity analyst. CYSA plus. What in the world? That's those letters aren't even there. So you're ignoring CompTIA. <laughs> so or no, it's called CompTIA and then CYSA plus. So CYS is cybersecurity and then analyst. But that's not how it's spelled. The security in CYSA, the S is capitalized, but it's not capitalized in the word cybersecurity because it's all one word. I hate you people. <laughs> Gosh, what in the, that's it's obviously not that. If you wanted to do it, it'd be CTCA because it's CompTIA or even CTIACA, but not site whatever. You were talking about the new CISA certification. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. And I have no criticism for Neither it. Neither do I. <laughs> um, if I was going to hire, uh, if, if I had two applicants for the same position and the only information I had was one had a CISA plus and one had a SEC plus, I'm hiring the CISA plus applicant uh, nine times out of ten. The only time I would want the SEC plus certification over the CISA plus certification is if I was doing something called governance. Governance is, our shorthand for that has always been fighting hackers through Microsoft Word. It's understanding about policies and procedures and standards and government frameworks or, or regulatory frameworks. Okay, gotcha. But if I want skills, if I want somebody to uh, approve or deny an email getting into my organization. You want the inapplicable lettering. CISA plus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. CompTIA CISA plus. So it's cre- I believe it's created by CompTIA. Yeah, it absolutely is. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've got Net Plus, which is what you recommend. Yep. Sec Plus, which is the A. If you're going to work here, you need this. Yes. CISA uh, Plus is the new, uh, if you're going to work here, you need this. Yep. It's more skills intensive. More skills intensive. So that's three different certs right mm-hmm. there. And that just gets your foot in the door to an entry level position. That's right. So we're not even talking about a next level position, partially because there's bajillions of them. Yeah. Well, okay. So right away, you're going to have to figure out what path you want to take in cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. You get that. You and Those three certifications will equip you to do any kind of entry level stuff. But right out of the gate, you're going to have to say, do I want to do something that is... Um, well, like on the governance side, do I want to do I want to work on the risk and compliance side? Help steer an organization through making secure decisions mm-hmm. uh, by creating policies for them. Um, or do I want to be on a any kind of control that is going to make decisions on whether or not it will permit or deny access to a resource? That early fork is going to tell you what you need after that. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be the one who pushes their glasses up their nose and says, sorry, you can't do that because it's not consistent with policy. Okay, well, then you need to get something called a CISA, which is a uh, it's a it's an auditing certification mm-hmm. or a, a CISM, which is a more management focused uh, certification. Do you know the meaning of those? Don't worry. Don't worry. I have my laptop in front of me. Cybersecurity certified information security auditor and certified information security manager. 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because CISA is also the cybersecurity, cybersecurity, and cybersecurity. Cyber Welcome crew. to cybersecurity. <laughs> I'm here to help you today. <laughs> My name is Tom, and I'm a cybersecurity professional. I'm really good with information, and I'm very good at security. And I work for an agency. You're cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency. CISA. If if this was the interview for you to be my spy, yeah, I would hire you. Hello, <laughs> I'm very secret. <laughs> I have many letters I know. Mm-hmm. One letter I know is I, but sometimes I don't. And then bang, bang, two chests, two chests. <laughs> Uh, no, Nate. Uh, cybersecurity spy is all online. <laughs> you do not need to be there in person. <laughs> I've spent way too much on plane flights. <laughs> Hi, I'm here at this random warehouse to investigate Russian cyber attackers <laughs> in person, <laughs> which I could have done from a chair at home <laughs> on a keyboard. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'd be bad at that job. All right, so you can be a CISA or CISM. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, but and I'm, we may not even need to talk about those two because by the time that you have your entry-level position, you can make a more informed decision from there about which path you want to go down. But you, you do need to figure out, if you want to be a guy who is, has technical skills, you do need to figure out if I want to be a... Um, what, what area of technology do I want to, do I want to participate in? Do I did I take the neck plus and really enjoy the networking side? Mm-hmm. Because network security is a it is its whole bag, uh, and and a lot of the skills that are applicable to network security are exclusive to network security. And then maybe you wanted to work into log management, right? Maybe the, maybe you got really excited about um, being able to to go through and analyze a a flow of events. Here we had a person log in and they proved that it was themselves. And then we saw that they created a new administrator account. And then we saw that they, you, you, you just, you look through an endless streaming list of actions that have, that have happened on a network and you make decisions about whether or not that's good or whether or not it's bad. Like a boring bad. Batman. The most boring Batman. <laughs> yeah. Alfred, mm-hmm. check this line of code. <laughs> what does it say to you? <laughs> what it says to me. Because they logged on yesterday. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Um, this is all kind of reminding me of the fact that the AirTag has come out for Apple. Mm. And people are just having so much fun figuring out how they can abuse that technology. I don't... So it's a find my iPhone, but it's portable. It's a... Yes. It's a find my iPhone that's portable that uses the iPhone network to geolocate. So if I clipped it to your backpack, I could always know where you are. Yes, essentially. And it would it's it's very accurate, but what it uses is the fact that so many people use iPhones, it creates a mesh system and that's how it locates them by using other people's iPhones as geolocator pins or whatever. It's the Batman technology. Yeah, it's essentially the the Dark Knight technology um with AirTags. Mm-hmm. But the thing is they're not airtight. <laughs> really? People are having a field day with it. Let's see. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Hackers rush to break down, do research on it, see what's possible. Let's see. Yeah, they they pulled it apart. So they they figured out the hardware of it to do it. 
They reactivated the debug interface and dumped the firmware from the AirTag. Uh, the dude did it just because he was interested to see if he could. That's all. But basically, uh, people have found out ways that they can use the AirTag to track you. So, like, if it's your AirTag, they can reverse it to then find out where you are. Interesting. This He thinks, in theory, you can use AirTags and turn them into low-bandwidth, long-range communication devices or to get around air-gapped networks. What does that mean to you? To me, that means walkie-talkie. Sure. Uh, or to get around air-gapped networks. I don't know the phrase air-gapped network. An air-gapped network is one that we talked about in Stuxnet, where we say this is so critical that we can't have it connect to the Internet. We're going to have a physical gap of air between um, the device and from from the Internet. I don't know how you would necessarily get around that, unless it, it's saying that it connects... Cell phones? He says theoretically it could. He was curious whether Find My Offline Finding Network, Find My's Offline Finding Network, so it's called Find My iPhone, could be abused to upload arbitrary data to the internet from devices that are not connected to Wi-Fi or mobile internet. Right. Interesting. Yeah, so pretty much the dudes who are just playing around with it are like, there's a lot we can do here, mind Yeah, yeah. And I said mind because they're German dudes. Mm. So like... Things like that, like that's that's dudes who. Here, here's what I think of people of like this. Mm-hmm. They their job pays them so much, and they treat it as just a strict nine to five, that they literally have a ton of free time and a ton of extra money, so they just play when they're off. Yeah, so I, I bet that's part of it, and I bet the other part is you you probably also have a subset of of people like penetration testing companies who say, boy, if we could attach our name as the group that found a vulnerability in the new air tags we are going to love that marketing yeah. media cycle like orange what's it the orange people for microsoft in january oh yeah orange not orange theory uh-huh but them that was very effective yeah. the way they <laughs> yeah they did a great job yeah. did a great job yeah are there any uh Wait, you said earlier there was one that Trofinia was talking about that is more hardware. A plus. A plus. So that yeah. one you could kind of learn how to break down an air tag. Not like specifically, but you're learning hardware yeah. and a lot of hardware kind of passes over. Yeah, it teaches you some of the electronics yeah. and yeah. Uh-huh. So A plus essentially could teach you how to do all that stuff with hardware. Yeah, for sure. Like reversing Mimi cats, maybe. Uh, where you shake the purse and break the hard drive. Well, the cool thing about Mimi Cats is it's open source, so it te- tells you how it works anyway. Oh, okay. Uh, that's the thing. A lot. I mean, there there is there is so much that is free and publicly available. I mean, look, if you really want to build skills, go on uh, this learning management system that I like to call YouTube, hmm. and just type in how to crack a password. What's the website for YouTube? Uh, Y O U. Uh huh. T-U uh-huh. dot uh-huh. B-E. Let me try that. Let me see if that actually works. You said Y-O-U-T-U dot B-E uh-huh. will take me to YouTube. Oh, my gosh. When did you figure that out? Oh, I've known that since the beginning of time. I'm going to punch you in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> I showed you that. Yeah, YouTube is, the, in my opinion, should be the replacement for traditional school. Oh, that's a bold statement. Yeah. But I think traditional school has lived well past its use by date. Nate, I, I completely agree. Um, 
there is when the FBI told me I had to hack into somebody's account, I literally Googled my way through how to do that. And I followed a YouTube tutorial for how to use something called John the Ripper, which is, I, I didn't know what that was. It steals passwords. There it doesn't go. steal passwords. It cracks passwords. Yeah. I didn't know that. I was just a guy who had enough free time to say, let me spend 15 minutes, literally 15 minutes, figuring out how to hack into an enterprise account. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was working for a bank. Yeah. I uh, I used YouTube to get one of the highest scores in my AP US history exam. So when I got my, my CISSP, which is the Certified Information Systems Security Professional Certification, mm-hmm. is the highest level of information security uh, certification that one can attain. But I, the first thing I did was I bought the book, and it's six or seven hundred pages. Jesus. And for me, I I love I love to read a uh, a field manual, a technical a technical documentation. I love to read that stuff. Mm-hmm. So f- it was recreational reading for me to, to to get through the book. I read it in about a week. Weird. But I supplemented all of that with YouTube videos that yeah. were just questions and answers that might be on the CISSP exam. Yeah. It's an incredible resource. Yeah. And it's free. It's free. Unless you pay for premium so you don't get ads. And that's just 11 bucks a month. But don't do that. You can if you get a job in cybersecurity, which has such a large upward mobility ceiling. Yeah, absolutely. You, you can es- get high. Especially today when, you know, you can work in Silicon Valley from Tampa, Florida. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I got a call from Twitter asking me to be their number one security man. Oh, did you? That's what they, they called. They said, hey, we heard you're on a podcast about cybersecurity. Will you be our number one security man? I said, no, I'm going to I'm going to slum it with these low people here in Lakeland. Hmm. I, I decided that the relationships I built here were more valuable than three hundred fifty thousand. dollars. Wow, that's really wise of you. It is. Um also, they didn't really give me much of a job description, and the dude didn't sound like he worked for Twitter. Hello, <laughs> yeah, it's me, Twitter. <laughs> he kept pronouncing it like that. Twitter, <laughs> Twitter.com. <laughs> yeah, but I uh, could have taken a real sweet cush job in Saint Peter. Okay, I'm starting to get it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it. And people in that community seem like they're poaching all the time too. So oh, like yeah. you get to know people and you can hop from company to company and get pay raises. And I remember when you were working for them, people were always trying to poach you. So they would always schmooze and booze you. And the amount of like, the amount of times you'd come home with some random thing. I say come home like we live together. <laughs> come back to your house and I would be at your home playing board games <laughs> with you at the yeah. time that you'd come back. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh yeah, I have this random like, here's a bottle of Johnny Walker Black that they just gave me because they want me to come work for them. I mean, know? it was Johnny Walker Blue, but yeah. Uh-huh. Or, or the, was it Glenn Levette that they gave you? Bottle Glenn Levette. Yeah. yeah. It's uh-huh. like they're just, they're, they, there's so much money to be had working for these people. And if you find a specialization that you enjoy, like if you're really good at email security, there's a lot of directions you can go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You could work for the business, the, the company. Yeah. And you could help them with their own security issues with their email. Yeah. But if you get good at that, you could call up the security vendor, the, the people who make the email security system mm-hmm. that you're using and say, your boy's trying to get paid now. He's learned some things about your tool. Yeah. How can I, what can I do for you guys? And nine times out of 10, there's an unfilled position that is just waiting for you to ask for it. Yeah. Here's, one, once you are into the information security uh-huh. ecosystem, 
It is very easy to move around. The, the challenge that you'll have is, here's what information security groups are bad at. They are bad at having um, procedures. Mm-hmm. They're bad at having um, an easy place for you to get on the job training. They're, they're, they're honestly, in a lot of cases, they're not even great with professional development. They expect you to come in, sink or swim, and if you can't hack it, then... You got to pack it. You got to pack it. Boy, P-A-C-K-E-T, network packet. Oh, look at that. Um, Let's step right over hack it. Hack it, H-A-C-K-E-T, network packet. So what you really want to what what you need to do when you're deciding on that first company to work for is be upfront about like I'm I'm interested in the OJT. I, I I want on the job training. I want to be trained to be the cybersecurity professional that I am not today, but I want to become tomorrow. Uh any hiring manager is going to look at that and mm-hmm. they're either going to say you don't have the skills we need. Goodbye. That does you a favor. You don't want that job because you won't be happy there. You won't get your goal of, of learning stuff on, on, yeah. on the on the job. Like I have a film degree. In the direct sense, that has nothing to do with cybersecurity. But from just the information I've gotten here, I take a couple of the uh, the certifications. I get some certs under my belt, and then boom, I'm in. Like, yeah. And my, my background allows me to look at the problems in front of me from a different lens than someone else would. Yep. And that's the cool thing about it is no matter who you are, where you're from, if you want to switch up, it's really easy to get those things and it's at your own pace of how fast you want to learn, how hard you want to go at it, what resources you want to use. I mean, you got the free YouTube who will teach you and there's tons of people out there who just love giving this information away. Yeah. I mean, I've met so many cybersecurity professionals who are just like, yeah, I just want to tell everybody about what I know because the more people who know it, the easier it makes their job. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a, there's a person that I just met at a networking event. Uh, uh, Thursday or Friday, I think it was Thursday, I met her uh, at this networking event. Um, and she heard me say that I had this cybersecurity firm, and she was like, oh, interesting. I would love to do what you do. I'm not good in cybersecurity. I'm barely proficient with computers, but I love talking with people. Well, my team is a roster full of people who are constantly dealing with the challenge of communication. Cybersecurity people, in most cases, are not known for their social skills. A lot of them, almost all cases. This person is coming out of the gate saying, I want to work on your team. I can't do the hard stuff, the, 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 the technical work, but I can do what is hard for the technical people. I can do the communication. So I think, I think focusing up on the the value that you can provide, even mm-hmm. if you can't do, you know, whatever it is that, that the company that you're looking to get on with, uh, it, the, the service that they're providing, being able to say, yeah, I can't do that, but here's what I can do for you. I think that's really, it's really valuable. We're, we're interviewing her on Tuesday. That's cool. Do you need me there? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. Mr. Checking. Please stay home. <laughs> I'll be there. Um, <laughs> what time did you say again? Nope. I'll check the message chain. Um, I've hacked into your systems. <laughs> so 
me coming from it, not knowing how to get into cybersecurity, I feel as though I have, if I were to want to do this, I, I know the names of things I need to start getting certification wise. Yeah. Um, I know just to look for entry level information security jobs. If I want to start first, learn later, I can also learn first, start later. And that would increase the amount I can ask for at the front because I have these certifications under my belt that prove what I know and what I do. I just don't have the experience yet. So I'll Mm -hmm. still be at the bottom of the food chain. I can just ask for a higher salary than not than being at the bottom of the food chain and not having those certifications. Sure. What are some like crazy high level information security just to kind of like close this out and round this out of like, here are some ceilings that you can reach that the ceilings that we know of. Oh yeah. So we, we talk a lot with a guy named James who he's an OSCP. He's got the highest, uh, penetration testing, uh, red team exercise, the hackers hacker, uh, certification. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, this guy is he basically, if you've seen Mr. Robot, James is Mr. Robot. Um, James has hacked governments. Wow. For governments. Wow. Um, th- I'm really, in cybersecurity, if if you get dedicated and skilled at any one discipline, mm-hmm. it it'll be incredible the 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 kind of stuff you can do. Um, he was he was. Uh, regularly deployed in the Middle East. He's not in the military. It no. sounds like he is. No, he's he's he looks like uh, what you would think Poindexter would be. Yes, <laughs> and he's deployed to the Middle East. Like when you hear the term Poindexter, if you're old enough to know that term Poindexter, uh-huh. whatever you think of in your head, that's an accurate representation of what James looks like. Yes, sorry James, but it's true. Poindexter recognized Poindexter. Uh, <laughs> yes, you you are also an accurate representation of Poindexter. Yeah. Um, in spirit and in look. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. See, there's the voice. <laughs> there's the Poindexter voice. Um, on the defense side, you know, you can get into some really interesting cases. And I do mean cases. But like you, you can get in, into interesting legal cases where um, you're you're doing the forensic review for what happened between um, husband and wife leading up to the events of a murder? Yeah. Um, you, you really are looking for... Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. Oh, yeah. The, like, the, the application of, of, uh, of computer forensics, it's so far-reaching. Because they're dead. It's not like you can be like, hey, give me your phone. You have to be like, hey, I'm getting into that phone. That's right. I didn't even think of that. Every time I see like text messages pop up on the screen, that is a cybersecurity forensics professional who got those text messages. Absolutely. There's wow. a there's a uh, law enforcement offices use a, a a tool called Graybox, which will unlock the phone, but that doesn't dump all of the forensics information. It doesn't re- uh, dump all the activity logs. You still need skilled, specifically smartware forensics wow. uh, people to to kind of unpack that stuff. We would we would sit around and argue about um, how valuable something called the shim cache is, which is why that's my Twitter handle. It is proof that a file was viewed without being opened. That I opened up a folder on my desktop, we'll say, mm-hmm. and there was a file there. It's proof that I saw that a file existed. Interesting. It's not proof that I executed it. It's not proof that I ran it or modified it or anything else. It's just proof that there was a file there that you saw. There are cases in which that is the one piece of information to prove whether or not somebody was acting with malicious intent or whether or not something happened accidentally. Um, 
I could have sworn your Twitter handle was a reference to Slim Shady. Shimcash? You think Poindexter's a big Slim Shady fan? You're white. <laughs> I think you hit all the prerequisites. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm more of a... Green Day. Whatever's playing in the background at a coffee shop <laughs> guy. Shimcash. <laughs> Look, we've lost every single person listening to this podcast at this point. Okay, so we're at the edge. We're at, we're at another ceiling. You've got James at the ceiling of hacking governments as a government because he's got that certification. He's got that that knowledge and he's got that experience to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. You're at the ceiling of forensics where it's like you've got that that knowledge. You said something about heart surgeons as a quote once. Uh, at the time that I got my um, GCFA, my Global Certified Forensics Examiner, nope, that's Gavin, my GCF, yeah, GCFA, Global Certified Forensics Analyst Certification, mm-hmm. there were more heart surgeons in the world than folks with the GCFA. Wow. Um, not to say that I'm better than a heart surgeon. But if put in a room, who would be able to heart surgery online? Mm, point. Dexter outdo Poindexter. Poindexter. <laughs> so the and you said that just now about the app the shim cache and the app compact cache that it's so far at the edge of what we know about cybersecurity that there's going to be this debate about how things work at this level. Oh, well, for sure. I think I mentioned earlier that we've we've as as much forensics as we understand, as as an information security community mm-hmm. understands, it's all just got put on its head two years ago, maybe three years ago, after the Shadow Brokers hack on the NSA. The NSA had tools that would assist in erasing event logs in a way that does not leave a forensics artifact. Mm. One example would be this thing called time stomping. I can run an application on your workstation and it would change the time that an event was registered. So I could make it look like I was doing work during hours when in fact I did work after hours. Mm -hmm. Or I opened up my stock program after I had a meeting or before I had a meeting. There's all kinds of nefarious stuff you can do just by manipulating the time that something happened. I submitted that homework on time. Mm -hmm. Look, my computer tells me so. Um, But you could always tell when something was time-stomped because earlier in the event log, the applications needed to install time-stomp would be there. Mm -hmm. Well, the NSA had tools that could just delete lines from the event log without leaving a forensics artifact without leaving uh, an event that says you've installed the delete event logs tool. Mm -hmm. So in this point in history, we're in this territory that people don't understand. We're calling it forensicating the negative space. If event log one happened and event log two is supposed to happen anytime you get event log one, but this machine doesn't have event log one, but it has event log two, we know that event log one must have happened. For event log two to happen. However, there's all these cases where people are correcting each other and arguing and saying, actually, in this one special circumstance, event log one doesn't precede event log two. And I think at this point, there's nobody listening to the podcast. No. But I'll just tell you that this is my favorite area to exist in where people get and they start correcting each other over 
what 99.9999999% of the time never matters. It only matters in that one Instance. case, right? right? It's it's the one piece of evidence that is needed to convict or to set free. Uh, and that, to me, is, is fascinating. So we've talked about two ceilings, both of which aren't real ceilings. Yeah. If that makes sense. You're like right. They're... There's they're they're just at the edge of an unknown. Yeah. Um, so, th- like I said earlier, this is the job that your guidance counselor talked about. That one day you might work in a job that doesn't exist yet. Oh sure. This is the field where a lot of those are starting to pop up. Um, so if cybersecurity is something you're interested in, there's so much to this world to be able to hop into. I mean, soon we're all going to exist online with VR headsets, kind of like Ready Player One. So you got to be somebody's got to run the security for that. Sure. Um, not me. I'm gonna be in it. I'm yeah. gonna be playing. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be I'm gonna leveling be, up. I'm gonna be so by and large. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be me sitting in my little hover chair. So by and so large. I'm gonna be so large. I didn't know any of this stepping into it. The stuff about certifications is interesting to you. I knew that there were certifications. I wouldn't know where to start if I wanted to. So, like, granted, you may hate this, but put yourself in the shoes of someone who is genuinely looking. To step into the cybersecurity world. If you're genuinely looking to step into cybersecurity, mm-hmm. here's what you do. Tweet us at Citadel Podcast. Mm-hmm. I will reply to you, and I will talk to you about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. I love... The whole podcast is because I like talking about cybersecurity so yeah. much. Yeah. I'm itching for those conversations. I'm saying put yourself in the shoes of someone who is looking for this. Yeah. Also, put yourself in the shoes of someone who's like, I want to buy this service... But like I'm someone who doesn't know what I'm looking for in the person I'm buying from. Mm. What certifications do I need? Like what certifications do they need to have to make me feel comfortable? Now, you know, some basics that they should have right out the door are these that we just talked about. And if they have OSCP, they're hyper qualified to do stuff for you. Or if they have the forensics, like these are all things that are boring to you because this is what you live. This is your life. This Mm. is how you do things. But it's not to me because I don't know any of these things. Like I know I know of James. We've talked about him a lot in conversation because of the cool stuff he can do. I don't know that there was a certification to be qualified for that. Yeah. Uh, I know of the forensics that you do because that stuff's cool. But like the pe- people like me who are even just remotely curious or like Janice are remotely curious about this. This will be fascinating stuff because it's like, oh, there is a way to quantify someone's knowledge, not necessarily their experience in this field. Sure. Just their knowledge. And the knowledge is part of the step. Just like my friend said about programming. Like, they get paid the big bucks because they know what to Google. Yeah, yeah, Like, they know how to use Google as a tool. They know how to use YouTube as a tool. Yeah, and and, and right now there's this there's this big conversation. Uh, it's all over Twitter. It's all over LinkedIn. It's all, it's all over anywhere people talk about certifications. And it's about whether or not certifications actually matter mm-hmm. because it is a metric for how many, how much book smarts somebody has about yeah. a topic yeah. and nothing else. And there's half of this this community that says so the certifications don't matter because some of the best employed people don't have any certifications. Yep. They're just talented and they learned everything they needed on the job and they're, they're good to go. They're geniuses in their own right. I bet you the hackers don't go around saying what certifications do you have? So I don't know that that's true. You think they have certifications? I think they go to the same certifications that we go. I think that there were, I think that there were nation state, I, there's three guys in particular that I think of. I think there are nation state folks that I was classmates with who were learning what I know about forensics so that they could go back to their teams 
and engineer ways to get around those forensics. Interesting. Cybersecurity is this endless game of uh, cat and mouse. Um, it's 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 floppy drives coming out with write protect so that you couldn't copy them. And then, oh, it's the easiest thing to copy in the world. And then, okay, Bill Gates saying, we're going to have this new thing called CD-ROM, and it's read-only. You're never going to be able to copy that information. Okay, well, immediately, there's there's just so many. It's it's just yeah. like catching up to pirates. It's 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 online piracy. It's yep. Yeah. And you said this wouldn't be an interesting episode. I don't think it's interesting. You are so dumb. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe it. There's no certification for what's interesting or not. I'll say this. There is. This is this is what I meant to say. Um, it's called improv classes, right? <laughs> Right now, there's no. Um, I, right now, I think there's a good case for people who want to step right over certifications, mm-hmm. just getting their job, and it's because the need is so great for for uh, cybersecurity butts in seats. Uh, I, I think that we probably will get, reach a day where we have to kind of where we will have more uh, security laborers than we have positions for, just like we ha- do mm-hmm. in in you know every other field. Yeah. Um, and at that point, you're going to have to start really measuring and comparing one applicant to another before you even have those conversations where you can learn about how valuable somebody's skills are that aren't represented by certifications. So if I'm a guy and I'm listening to this and I say, I just want to get, I don't care where, I I just want to get in the field anywhere. I'm not waiting for my certification. Mm -hmm. I'm applying for whatever I can apply for today. Mm -hmm. And the best way to get information about what you should do is to tweet us at Citadel Podcast on mm-hmm. Twitter. Which, by the way, I need you to reply to that email. Which one? The one from Twitter about our account being flagged as suspicious. I didn't know that there was an email sent to me. It's okay. Don't You don't have to do it now. I mean, that I don't know. That That's everything. I've I've gotten all my questions answered. Okay, well, that's it. Hey. <laughs>